In the late 19th century, there was this guy living in England. His name was W. Reginald Bray, and he was fascinated by the intricate workings of the British postal system. He even bought a copy of the official Guide to the Services and Regulations of the British Post Office, and what he loved to do with the information contained in that guide was stress test it. For example, he read that there were no restrictions when it came to how you formatted an address placed on a piece of postage. So he would address things to people using rhyming verse or pictures cut out of newspapers that symbolized words and seeing if his mail got to where he wanted it to go. In perhaps the most famous of his exploits, when he found out about an obscure facility by which a person could be delivered to any address, he mailed himself home. He would pull all kinds of shenanigans like this. He mailed his dog somewhere. He mailed a turnip by carving an address with a knife into the surface of it. One time, he even sent some mail to the station master of a train station, and attached to that mail was a train ticket and a request to put the letter on the train and deliver it to the station master of a different train station. And one time, in 1899, he put those postal regulations to a uniquely festive test by sending a postcard addressed to simply Santa Claus Esquire. And I wish I could tell you that the British Post Office somehow found a way to deliver that postcard to the real Santa Claus, but alas, it was returned to the sender as insufficiently addressed. Old W. Reginald Bray could do just about anything when it came to the mail, but he couldn't reach Santa Claus Esquire. And one more thing he couldn't do, he couldn't affix a Christmas stamp to that postcard to Santa. And that's because this was 1899, and England didn't have Christmas stamps back then. In the late 19th century, modern postal systems were still coming into their own. Around the turn of the 20th century, many countries, including England, began issuing Christmas-themed postage stamps. You might think that America would have been among them, but boy would you be wrong. In fact, America was one of the last countries to get on board. American Christmas stamps are only a few decades old, and the story there has to do with simple economics and America's system of government. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. Philately, as it's called by those in the know, is an interest in and collection of things related to the mail. That involves postage stamps, of course, but also really anything that has gone through the mail system. Christine Sanders is a Christmas philatelist and the editor of The Yule Log, the official publication of the Christmas Philatelic Club. She collects, among other things, so-called first-day covers, which are envelopes bearing a postmark indicating the first day that the stamp used on that envelope became available. It's kind of like a first-edition baseball card. And because Christine is a Christmas philatelist, she set a rule for her collecting that takes that idea one step further. I was only going to collect it if somewhere on the cover, there had to be the Star of Bethlehem on it. There is even what's known as a crash cover, which means mail retrieved from an airplane that crashed. That sounds morbid and unchristmassy, I know, but to someone like Christine, it's also philatelically significant. And I have some crash covers. There was an airplane crash on Christmas Day in uh, Scotland, and it had some re- intrigue and a story behind it that there were diamonds on board that were never recovered and they thought the plane was blown up and all of this. So, even though philately can involve more than just stamp collecting, stamps are what most people think about when they hear the word, and that's what we're focusing on here. So, let's start with the obvious question. What makes a Christmas stamp a Christmas stamp? Well, a Christmas stamp is a stamp that is used for postage. So, that's define it separately from what we would call a seal, like a Christmas seal. So, it's something that is attached 
to an item going through the mail to pay postage. Okay, not bad for starters. A Christmas stamp has to be an actual postage stamp. I'm sure you can guess the other important thing that makes a Christmas stamp a Christmas stamp. It could either be the theme or the topic of the stamp is related to Christmas, and it could either be religious or it could be secular. Now, all of that sounds obvious enough, but you'd be surprised. This is what the definition is now, here in America. But the very first Christmas stamp ever issued by any country came from Canada 125 years ago, and, well... It really didn't have anything to do with Christmas. That stamp was to create interest in a uniform postal rate across the British Empire. They didn't have a uniform postal rate at the time, and that rate was to take effect on December 25th. 1898. And so the stamp itself had a flat map of the British Empire. And right at the bottom of that stamp, it says Christmas 1898. America wouldn't issue its own Christmas stamps until about 65 years later. The year was 1962. JFK was president. John Glenn had orbited the moon earlier that year. The Cuban Missile Crisis occurred later that year. 1962. The space age, for crying out loud. We had manned spaceflight before we had Christmas stamps. We were late to the party. At that time, 25 other countries had already issued Christmas stamps, and that included Russia. And Russia didn't even really recognize Christmas under Soviet rule. Official Soviet state policy was non-religious. So what gives? Well, a lot of people had that same question, including many folks from one Wisconsin town. So they decided to do something about it, and naturally they did it in a very philatelic way by writing letters. The city of Wapaka, Wisconsin, started a writing, mail-in uh, writing campaign to issue a Christmas stamp because many other countries were already issuing Christmas stamps. The campaign even got support from Wisconsin Congressman Milton Laird. Even still, the Postal Service, and back then it was called the Post Office Department, was reluctant to issue Christmas stamps, and for a number of reasons. And the reasons varied from such a stamp could be seen by religious people as sacrilegious. But probably the biggest reason had to do with one of the fundamental principles of American government. Such a stamp would be contrary to the tradition of separation of church and state. Now that last argument is pretty darn strong. No government-issued currency or postage can have the appearance of affiliating itself with a specific religion. And that might have been the end of the story, except for one thing. By 1959, there were three stamps that had already been issued by the post office department that had a religious motif. For example, in 1952, the U.S. Uh, post office department issued a stamp for the printing of the Gutenberg Bible. Now, this isn't to say that the post office department changed its mind about Christmas stamps simply because some diligent letter writer pointed out the fact that the church and state argument didn't hold water because of these other stamps. No, as is so often the case with many government decisions, it all came down to dollars and cents. There was a Christmas card rate, a special Christmas card rate put out by the post office department. At that time, actually, the Christmas card rate was three cents and full first, first class rate was four cents. So the post office department was losing one cent for every Christmas card mailed using the Christmas card rate. So they would gain one cent more if they issued a first class stamp.
stamp for Christmas because people would use that stamp to mail their Christmas cards. Now, you might be thinking the same thing I was. How would the post office department even know if the contents of the envelope was indeed a Christmas card? It seems like it would be pretty easy to game the system. The way you verified it was you could only get the Christmas card rate if you did not seal the envelope and there were no personal messages inside. Like you could sign your name, but if you did a personal message, that became a letter. So they'd send it back to you saying, you know, you didn't pay enough. And when the post office department did issue that first Christmas stamp, they were still careful to keep the appearance of religion out of it. The first one was a wreath with two candles. This notion continued for the first few years. The second year, the stamp featured an image of the national Christmas tree. The third year, it was a set of four different kinds of holiday foliage. But things changed in the fourth year. In 1965, the Christmas stamp featured an angel with a trumpet. Wait a second. An angel? Aren't we getting a little flagrant now with ignoring the religious theme? What changed? Well, what changed is that, basically, someone found a loophole. But that was taken from an old weather vane from the top of a Methodist church. But even so, it was an angel. So you see they're kind of sneaking in a little religion there. The loophole was that the stamps weren't promoting religious symbolism or affiliating with a specific religion. They were appreciating historic architecture. And then in 1966, we see the first stamp depicting the Madonna and Child. But again, loophole. The image came from a painting by Hans Menling, which hangs in the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. So you see, they could claim that, yes, it was a religious Christmas stamp, but... This is art and culture from the National Art Museum in Washington, D.C. You see, they're kind of walking a tightrope here. But still, a good number of people weren't buying that argument because, I mean, come on. So in the late 1960s, right after the issuing of that first Madonna and Child stamp, a number of groups tried to intervene. There were a large number of groups that did sue for the post office department issuing religious stamps. I mean, even though they had already issued stamps with a religious motif, Christmas was different to them. It took many years for all the cases to work their way through the courts, and we still have Christmas stamps, so clearly those cases were dismissed. And in the meantime, on 41 different years, a U.S. postage stamp has featured an image of the Madonna and Child, always taken from a work of art housed in a museum in the United States. Even today, the Postal Service issues a mix of religiously themed and secular Christmas stamps. They issue one religious stamp every other year with secular stamps every year, and it's usually a set of four. 2022 was a religious year featuring a stamp with, guess who, the Madonna and Child, from an oil painting by an unidentified 16th century artist housed at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Last year's secular stamps featured elves. This year, we're secular only again with a series of four snow globe images. Even in this day and age of digital communication, sending and receiving Christmas cards and letters is a wonderful and wonderfully simple way to stay connected and celebrate the season. In fact, the simple traditions are always the best and most meaningful and memorable, like this one from Gerald in Michigan. My favorite Christmas memories. I actually have almost too many, but I will select the one that stands out the most to me. And it's really simple. My grandmother and I, every Christmas, 
along with other members of my family, but it was mostly my grandmother and I, we would always go in the kitchen and we would cook. We would make cookies. We would make candy apples. Uh, we would take the candy canes that you get from the store and we would actually melt them down into chocolate and make homemade hot chocolate. And my family would get together and we would decorate the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. And it was something that was always really super duper special. It was nothing overly fancy because the big family gathering, which usually included about 30 to 40 people the very next day, Christmas morning, uh, would you know come over to our house and they would bring their gifts and we would all open Christmas gifts together. So that was the big festivity. And that was a lot of fun. But my favorite time was just being in the kitchen with my grandmother doing these things. And it's a very simple memory. It's a very special memory. My grandmother died when I was 12. So, um, you know, I hold that memory to this day. And with my own child and husband, uh, every Christmas Eve, we're in the kitchen cooking, whether we're making cookies or hot chocolate and getting ready to go watch our favorite Christmas movie. We're always doing something in the kitchen and it's always that moment, that special moment. And for me, that is among the best and most valued of my Christmas memories. Thank you for listening. At this point in the season, maybe you've already sent and received some Christmas cards or started some Christmas baking. How's all that going so far this year? What's on your mind this season? Share it with the rest of the Christmas Past family. There's still time, and all you have to do is record yourself speaking into your phone's voice memo app and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thank you so much to Christine Sanders. Go to christmasphilatelicclub.org for more information. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks to Gerald in Michigan, and thank you for listening. Drop me a line anytime, and you don't even have to send it through the mail. You can reach me again at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com and find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please join our private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. And hey, if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover the show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a handwritten Christmas card through the mail and a Christmas Past sticker as my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details, and until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright.